Hearing the words, you're not good enough, is sadly something that I've told myself way too many times that I can count. I don't know if you guys can relate, but it's really hard when you're telling yourself that you're not good enough. Now, today's guest was told she wasn't good enough on national television in front of millions of people. Now, when that happens, when you're humiliated and you feel shame and embarrassment and you fall to your knees, it's already freaking difficult. Now imagine you do that in front of so many people. Can you get up? Are you able to get up? Well, today's guest not only freaking got up, guys, she freaking showed them what she was made of. Lindsay Sterling, the dancing hip-hop violinist, is here, guys, to tell us how. On national television, she was told that she wasn't good enough and didn't listen, went on to still be herself and now sits with over 3 billion views. Let me just repeat, 3 billion views and counting on her YouTube channel. Now, guys, not only does she share how she got up after absolutely being crestfallen, but she also openly talks about her struggles with anorexia and her mental health issues. Now, guys, this was one of these conversations that was so deep, so intimate, so personal, and so beautifully eye-opening. She sits with me today, guys, with zero judgment and talking openly about how on earth she handled these issues and how she still handles these issues. And that's what Women of Impact is all about. It's not about being perfect. It's not about saying, I got this sorted. It's about, no, no, how do you keep handling problems? How do you keep showing up? And well, today's guest, my girl, Lindsay Sterling, shares so many freaking nuggets. Let's just dive in right now and listen. And guys, if this episode did bring you value, please do share, tell your homies about it, review, rate this episode. Let me know what really resonates with you. Start sharing the impact, guys. Let's start changing some freaking lives together. All right, now without further ado, let's get into this episode of Women of Impact with the Lindsay Sterling. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I became so unhappy and I got so sucked into just hating myself. Dancing violinist sensation Lindsay Sterling gets real. Like literally looking in the mirror and I just hated the girl staring back at me so much. Before her mind-blowing success, Lindsay battled negative voices in her head. Um, I always get tearful of this experience because... And in matters of the heart, yes, she goes there. Are you in a relationship? Have you ever gone through heartbreak? And I, I really actually never talked about this before. But today, she does. Welcome to Women of Impact, Lindsay Sterling. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh my God, homie, I'm so freaking excited to have you. I've been desperate to have you on the show for a long time. And this is actually really important of where we start. So many of us don't feel good enough. We don't feel good enough to ask for things. We get rejected from things and that makes us feel really badly about ourselves. And 
I have spent the last three years trying to be good enough to have you on my show. So that's why I wanted to start. <laughs> Me? Yes, homie. <laughs> that's why I want to start with not being good enough. Because one of your most epic stories is that you get rejected on national television, where I believe you're told you sound like um, like rats squeaking. Um, in that moment of rejection, in that moment where you've said, I didn't feel good enough, how the hell did you get back up to then crush it and have over three billion views on YouTube? You know, looking back at that story, I remember as I stood on that stage, and this is in front of like millions of people watching live. I see the red camera, like the little light on it, just letting me know that like this is live and I'm listening to these horrible things. I'm so humiliated and ran to the bathroom after I finally got off stage and just sobbed for like hours. And I remember the thoughts in my mind where I could never get on a stage again. That was too humiliating. Like no one ever will want me after they see that. Um, but then after some time passed, like time does heal all wounds, you know, and I really like listened to that inner voice inside of me that let me know, like, you're not done yet. There's more for you in this story. That wasn't the end. And, you know, I think that inner voice is the most important thing I've learned to listen to. And it goes past the thoughts in your mind of like, I'm not good enough or like that was embarrassing. There's like a deeper level of yourself. And, you know, I like to attribute that to like God, you know, that's that's what I call that voice. Everybody calls it their own thing. But it kind of let me know, like, try again. This isn't the end. Get up, like, you know, lick your wounds, feel better. And I'm so grateful that I listened. And I guess also I changed the dialogue in my head to like give me the courage. And it went from being what they told me is that I wasn't enough. Mm. And I changed the dialogue to like, well, maybe I wasn't good enough that night. Maybe it's not that I will never be good enough. Maybe I just wasn't good enough yet. Because it was kind of this idea of like, I'm a dancing violinist. And it was like a very new craft at the time. I played the violin since I was six, but I'd only just started to learn to dance. And so it was kind of awkward and it wasn't my best performance. And I was terrified. So I was really nervous and didn't do very well, to be honest. But just because you didn't have the greatest moment doesn't mean that you don't have what it takes to be great tomorrow or next year. Or maybe you weren't good enough. Maybe you need to work a little harder to earn that spot on the stages. And and so I worked really hard in the shadows for a while till I was ready to then step on, not even stages that big, smaller stages, to help me learn the craft of performance so that I could get on bigger stages. And now I've returned several times to stages like that and bigger stages, but I was, I was good enough because I put in the time and I didn't give up and I listened to that inner voice. Dude, that's so strong. I'm so obsessed with these like pivot moments. I keep bringing it back to the movie Sliding Doors, where mm. it's like this one moment where if you make the sliding door, your life goes one way, and if you don't make the sliding door, your life goes another. And those moments, these one little moments where we can believe we're not good enough ever. Yeah. And now it means we don't ever try. We never pick up that violin again. We never go on that first smaller stage to then build up to be to the point where you're just, you know, again, three billion, guys, with a B, billion views. <laughs> There's another story where the other Lindsay doesn't pick up the violin to do her YouTube channel to that because she believes that negative voice that's telling her she's not good enough. Yeah. So did you actually find solace in using the word yet? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think it takes away the infinite comment of like, mm. you're not good enough forever. But when you're like, well, like yet, okay, I'm not good enough yet maybe. 
I can work on yet. Once upon a time, I couldn't play the violin at all. And at that point, I was also overcoming some mental like, um, you know, challenges. I was going through anorexia and I was like kind of on the tail end of it. And I was like, once upon a time, I hated myself. That didn't mean I have to hate myself forever. And so I learned through so many things. We've all experienced this possibility of, hey, you don't know something and you have the chance to learn it. So it's like, okay, I just need to work a little harder. I just need to give myself a little more time. That is so beautiful. And there is power to that. There is so much power to knowing, oh, yeah, I may actually be terrible right now. And that's actually yeah. why I started with the not good enough part and saying that I've been looking, been trying to get you on my show for so long because I had that same attitude. Like there were moments where I've had guests that I've reached out to that have just said no, right? right. And it's like, okay, Lisa, you can take that as a dent to your ego or you can just actually be honest with yourself and say what you need to do in order to get there, you haven't done yet. Yeah. And you talk about earning your stripes. So how did you then process, so you broke down little, like, okay, so I went on that first stage. Did you realize that that was part of you building back your confidence in order to then be able to step on that big stage? I did, because I remember how terrified I was before I stepped on to this little open mic night stage. I could just, the it was all, it all felt very fresh, I should say. Like the sound of the buzzer, the things the judges said, the humiliation I had felt. It was all so like, it felt fresh because I hadn't done it since. And I just remember being so scared to go up, but my sister was there with me. She was my roommate in college and she was the first one to clap when I finished. And it's like, as long as you've got somebody in your court you know, I think we all need that like cheerleader. Like it's a, it's hard to be that 100% for yourself. You do have to be your biggest cheerleader, in my opinion, in order. But you also kind of need those people in your court that are like, hey, I'll be there for you. I'll be the first one to stand and clap, even if no one else claps. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm so grateful for my, my mom and my sister and those people that were there for me to, through those times and helped me realize like, this is scary, but like you're gonna get through it. <laughs> okay, that's so powerful. I love going deep though, girl. So take me to that moment. Okay. You're, you said you're still hearing the buzzer. I'm sure the anxiety. Oh, so going sure. back onto the stage again after you feel like you failed or you, that you have had a failure, you're standing. There are so many people that cannot put their foot on that stage yeah. that go from feeling the fear and letting it dictate how they show up. Yeah. What are those little incremental things that when you're standing there and you're really scared and you're hearing, the, you know, the old buzzers and the old embarrassment and all those past emotions that come rushing to you, what allowed you to actually put those steps onto that stage? You know what? I am looking back at all this experience. I am so grateful that I had those experiences because I've used these same exact tools time and time again to this day when I'm afraid of something or when I'm like, I have no motivation to do that. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I can get up today and do that. You know, I, I go back to that place of that girl that was terrified and embarrassed and humiliated and scared. Uh, you know, I go back to those pivotal moments. And for me, it's sometimes you just have to put one foot in front of the other. As simple as that sounds, take the first step. And for me to get onto that first little tiny open mic stage, the first step was pick a song that I think I would play and practice it. And let's pretend I'm on stage while I'm in my little apartment. Like, we're not even gonna, like, that's the goal. I signed up to do the open mic night, which was terrifying, but now we're just gonna start it. Like, pick a song, what song would I play? And then visualize it. I did a lot of visualization mm -hmm. because I had such a strong memory in my mind of how it went wrong that was so present. But your mind, I mean, we've all heard it a million times, it doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. If you can paint a real enough picture and think about 
what am I going to wear? Like imagining what I'm going to say and then visualizing my way through the process is an amazing tool. You know, and I, my, the first time I discovered visualization was I was a runner in high school, very average runner. I wasn't great, but um, I really wanted to make it to like the state uh, track meet, but I had to cut my 800 time down by like a significant amount. And so someone had told me about visualization and I was like, okay, so I imagined the perfect race where I would like have a stopwatch and I'd imagine where I'd be at the hundred yard line right on time. And then I'd imagine mm. like where I'd be. And I'd, I'd imagine my uniform like blowing in the wind and my hair bouncing on my back. And I'd, I'd imagine myself being passed and passing people, but I'd imagine my perfect race. And I had to cut quite a bit of time off, but I was shocked when I crossed the finish line at that regional race, you know, and I was like, what was my time? And they handed me my card and it was the exact time that I had been practicing perfectly in my mind for several weeks. And really like you get the chance in your mind to practice the optimal performance to outweigh the terrible mm. memories, the terrible performances. And it takes time, but our minds are so powerful and you're actually rewiring and connecting new neural pathways so that when I, when I stepped on that stage, it, it, I was still terrified, but I was like, I picked my song. I'm here now. I've imagined this. I, I knew what outfit I was going to wear. I went through all those little baby steps mm -hmm. of one foot in front of the other till before I knew it, I was on that stage and my sister was out there ready to stand and clap for me. Homie, this is so powerful because I love the incremental steps. I used to be petrified. The idea of coming on camera, I'd be like, are you joking? Why would I ever do that to myself? Like I'm getting heart palpitations just thinking about getting on camera, let yeah. alone actually getting on camera. Yeah. And Part of my evolution was exactly that, where it's like, if you just focus on that big goal, you can get petrified. You can yeah. actually think like the imposter syndrome can come through, right? Like, what if I get Absolutely. rejected again, right? Because you, I'm sure remember, you've even said, I remember how it felt. Yeah. And so now getting back on stage or doing anything like that, the fear of, I don't want to feel like that again, can be so paralyzing. Yeah. But if you say, what song? Put one foot in front of the other. It's, it's a practice. Like even thinking if this is going to be a long-term long journey for you, then you're never going to be done. So mm. isn't it better to just incrementally get better than Absolutely. to think that I should wake up tomorrow and be the best? Or other people who may be comparing themselves to you to be like, well, I'm never going to be Lindsay, so I may, not, I may not as well try. Right. Well, and I think one thing I've learned over the last decade of doing you know, this career path of mine is, I love to be a student and I, that's something I've learned. Um, at first it's like you hate, everyone hates being bad at something. <laughs> everyone hates that feeling of like, wow, I'm, I'm not good at this. Or like, I could never perform this in front of people. Like, or, oh, I, you know, it's uncomfortable. And especially as adults, we get very comfortable being comfortable. No. And, you know, through multiple situations of learning to dance and play the violin, learning to be okay on stage, then, you know, doing things like dancing with the stars, where I was suddenly thrown in ballroom heels and you have to perform something you're not comfortable with in front of millions of people. Like all these experiences have kind of made me love being a student. And I think the most important thing I've learned is that step one of any process is this feels impossible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've recently started doing aerial routines. Like I now like spin, I have a hoop in my backyard that's like rigged up and I can like spin around in it. And it's crazy how sometimes even just the, the pure strength to be able to do some of these maneuvers and lift my body into these positions, what, as my coach is teaching me, I'm just like, I'm not, I'll even say to her, I'm not strong enough or I'm not flexible enough to do that. It's impossible is what my mind is telling me, but I've learned to stop and say, 
it's not impossible. It's just the first freaking time you've tried it. You're a baby at this. And it's amazing that when my muscles now just learn the appropriate muscle to fire at the appropriate moment, suddenly these things that I thought I was not strong enough to lift myself up, it's like, oh no, I just, I didn't know how to use my body appropriately. And suddenly I'm plenty strong to do it. And so, yeah, it's just been such a wild experience. And the other day I had that thought of this is impossible. And I just stopped myself and I was like, no, it's just step one. That's step one of any worthwhile pursuit. Once upon a time, walking felt absolutely impossible. And we're a baby on the floor and you're like, how the heck do they do that? You know, like, look at them just, whoa, she's running. Like, everything is impossible until we do it. I love that so much. And do you think part of the thinking of, well, it's impossible, so I'm not going to try, is due to the fear of rejection, is due to the fear of feeling badly about yourself and then if you've worked on that internal dialogue that tells you um, you're not good enough and you've tried to push out that um, by having certain failures or by going after something and failing then starts to um, make this voice even louder. And so they're like, well, I don't want this voice to get louder, so I'm not going to try. A hundred percent. I think that those voices, I mean, it's like mini PTSD, maybe not even mini. It's, it's like a PTSD syndrome mm. where it's like you start to get to a point and then your past experience almost takes over your mind because those are the the wires in your brain that work. They say, well, we've felt this before. We know where this leads. We do not like this. Stop. It's impossible. It's too scary. You're not good enough. Don't even try. You know, but it's, it's so amazing how the more, like I said, I've learned to like to be a student mm. because I've now been through that process enough that my wires in my brain through a lot of work, it's not like this naturally happened, but now they tell me, they remind me oh, no, you've felt this before, but remember when you got past it and then you did something that you never knew you could do and how amazing that felt? And then you got to share it with people and then people said, wow, that really inspired me in that moment that you overcame that. Suddenly the wires are connecting in a whole new way, but it's really hard to make those things rewire. At first, it's literally just the process of trusting, putting one foot in front of the other. When you're scared, you have to talk yourself through the process or journal yourself through the process, like whatever it is, or talk to a therapist to get you past that first hump. Until, you know, because I mean, I, I studied therapy for actually a couple of years in college. And they say that the most powerful experience you have in your court is doing something right. And so you have to get past that first experience of doing it right so that then it becomes this like arsenal, this like huge tool in your tool mm -hmm. belt of I've done it before so I can do it again. That's why if, if you relapse, it's okay because you can remember as you start to take the steps in recovery, I've done this before, I've walked this walk before. Like whatever it is, whether it's learning a new skill or learning to love yourself or learning to be healthy in life, the strongest indicator is that you just have to do it once and then you've got this, you know, arsenal for the rest of your life that you've done it before. Oh, I love that. And that it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. When you're working really hard to build the freaking amazing life and career that you want, it's sadly really easy to push your health needs to the back burner. And guys, listen, I totally get it because not all that long ago, that was me. I put everything into my business, everything into my goals and my family. And yep, I totally ignored my own health and wellness. And so I just learned the very hard way that putting your well-being first is actually the key to being a confident, 
un-freaking-stoppable badass in everything that you do. So, my homie, put yourself first and get mentally and physically strong with Allo Moves, your go-to app for everything from meditation to yoga to strength training to hit and so much more. And I love how Allo Moves has such a wide variety of class types and levels to keep you motivated with whatever you need on your journey. No matter what your path is, it's time to make a move with Allo Moves. So right now, guys, you can go and get a free 30-day Allo Moves subscription by going to allomoves.com and use code WOI30. That's alloalomoves.com, code WOI30 in all caps. Allomoves.com, code WOI30, all caps. Now, we've all had that one friend who chimes in with the old adage, if it's right, it should be easy advice when we're having relationship problems. But from my experience, homie, that's not at all true. Whether it's romantic, friendships or professional or relationships, All relationships require that you put the time and effort into growing and developing that relationship. And the best, most rewarding relationships happen when both people are willing to put in the freaking hard work to make that happen. I mean, that's certainly been mine and my husband of 21 years motto. So my homie, when you do actually face challenges in your relationship, therapy can be a great place to feel heard and work through it. And there's no easier or more convenient place to get started with therapy than with BetterHelp. Now, BetterHelp is 100% online and flexible to fit wherever and however crazy your schedule is because that's the important part that you can absolutely have BetterHelp navigate your current life with the bandwidth that you have. And all you have to do is answer a few questions to get matched with a therapist that actually can best help you and be catered to you. So guys, become your own soulmate whether you're looking for one or not. So go visit betterhelp.com slash women today to get 10% off your first month. That's help, H-E-L-P dot com slash women. And I kind of think about it from like, okay, once upon a time, I was so bad, I didn't even realize that I was allowing these negative thoughts to come to my mind. Oh, absolutely. And then over time, it's like, oh my God, I recognized it. I I saw it coming, right? And then for me, it was never about shutting down that negative voice because I just can't. And so I'm like, I don't want to set myself up for failure. Mm. And so I'm like, if I, if I say you have to get to this point, I will worry that I will fail because I don't think I can ever get to the point where the negative voice doesn't exist. So yeah. now for me, it's more, like how do you shorten the period of time between yeah. the negative voice speaking to you and you telling her to shut up? <laughs> oh my gosh, I think I, I think recognizing the negative voice was so key to my recovery from anorexia. It was the thing that made the difference, I think, of like starting to stop and realize there was an internal voice. Like you said, I didn't even realize it was there. And then also learning to separate myself from it. Like I called my eating disorder Ed. I gave it a name, you know, whether it's like depression or self-deprecation or whatever, like almost seeing it as a separate entity that kind of life has given to you. That's not you. Like, and for when you hear those negative thoughts, you you get to like talk to it, not as yourself, but almost as like, I don't deserve that, you. Like, I don't deserve to be talked like that, Ed. I don't believe that about myself anymore. And I'm not going to let you convince me that I am worthless because of this choice or whatever. Like, giving it that separate identity really helped me realize I'm not broken. Something that life has done to me has brought this into me and I'm going to just keep pushing it away. Okay, let's go deep here because this is so powerful. The amount of women and young girls that suffer from eating disorders or unhealthy relationship with food is just untold. So actually, if you don't mind taking us back to those moments or um, taking us back to when 
it started and where you think mm. that evolved from. And then I'd really love to start peeling the onion about how you recognized yeah. it and then how you dealt with it. You know, it's funny. I remember when I first started going to therapy for it, like it took me a while to realize I had a problem. First of all, the I think the first indicator for me that something was really wrong and when I finally accepted that I have a problem because you know, my mom had tentatively been saying, hey, I think something's off. Like, have you, you know, and I was always like, I'm just healthy. Like, I'm fine. I just exercise and eat really healthy. Like, I just like that, you know, and like I made all these excuses so much. I'd convinced myself that I was fine and nothing was wrong with the fact that I was eating only lettuce and carrots or whatever, you know. Um, but I became so unhappy and I got so sucked into just hating myself, like literally looking in the mirror and I just hated the girl staring back at me so much. Um, and I think it all set in one day in college when my sister, who was my roommate, also my biggest cheerleader, my best friend all growing up, um, I always get tearful of this experience because I heard her in the other room with my other roommates and they were all laughing and like hysterically telling a story. And I remember just thinking, I don't remember the last time I like laughed like that. And I don't remember the last time I laughed with them. And um, I also, didn't even have the energy and I didn't even think I deserved to go in there and figure out what they were talking about. And then my sister came into the room and she jumped on her bed and just started studying and didn't bother to tell me what they were laughing at, you know. And um, I realized I don't know her anymore. Like um, I had become so self-absorbed with this anorexia and this disease that I had lost all my relationships. And in that moment, I realized I'd lost my best friend. And it wasn't because she didn't care about me. It's because I'd pushed her away enough times because I was so I was trying to hide, you know, all these like eating habits and calories and things like I'd become a shell of who I once was. And in that moment, I was like, something's wrong. This didn't used to be my life. Um, I need to figure out what's wrong. And that's when I started going to therapy and I was willing to fight for my health because of the people I loved. I wanted to love I wanted to love them again fully. And um, I'm so grateful for like those little checkpoints in my life. It, I realized I'd given up everything and nothing was ever going to fulfill me, I realized, because I'd let go of all the things that actually do fulfill you. <sighs> Sorry. Just, no, just need to take a minute. So I've had an unhealthy relationship with food. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say anorexia, but maybe borderline. I'm not even sure kind of what like now right. equates all, to that. There's a gray area. Yeah. I grew up seeing that with my mom. So my mom would eat very little. And I saw, you know, the tie between self-esteem and how we, women treated our own bodies and how we looked as, you know, the yeah. way of feel, either feeling good about ourselves or not. And so if we can help anyone listening right now to yeah. identify can you break down a couple of those things that you were doing in case someone right yeah. now doesn't want to admit it? But if they can see themselves in you or Absolutely. in me. So you even said like you were running on the treadmill and, um, you know, working out like crazy. What other things can be indicators that someone can hear right now to go, oh, I need help? I think it's the amount of space it takes up in your brain is a huge oh. indicator. Like the amount of time and energy and thought that I put into, like I would walk into a party and the first thing I'd look around for was like, who's the skinniest girl in the room? The, the, the next thing I'd look at was the type of food. Is there anything here I can eat? Those kind of thoughts filled every thought of my brain. If I was taken on a date, 
like we'd sit down and I'd be like almost panicking as I like tried to focus on his conversation and what he was saying and maybe say something myself, but also looking at the main be like, what the heck can I eat here? And, you know, and then when the food would arrive, I'd see the extra butter on it and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I, you know, freaking out. And how are you supposed to engage with a person at a party or on a date or your sister when she asks you, hey, do you want to go out with us? We're getting, you know, we're going to go get tacos at a food truck. And your first thought is, I can't eat tacos. So I'm not, you know, so you make up an excuse and you, you can't go. You know, the amount of times I would weigh myself every day, the, the time I would spend thinking about how I could, you know, maybe cut this soup in half and water some of it down to make it less cow, like, that is a full-time job, thinking about going home to see my family for Thanksgiving and making a preemptive plan of how I would work out ahead of time, how I would eat less leading up to Thanksgiving so that no one would notice that I didn't eat as much, you know, like, your life gets consumed by it. And like I said, I don't, it's like, how could I not have known that I was anorexic? But it's, it happens slowly. And so before, you know, you know your own brain so well, so it seems normal. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was really interesting. I was talking to my mom one day and I was like, when I was first realizing I was anorexic and she just said, Lindsay, that's not normal to like think these kind of thoughts all the time. So I think just the mm-hmm. amount of space it takes up in your brain, and for me it overcame everything. My passions didn't matter anymore, my relationships, because all I could handle was balancing calories, scales, you know, making plans, always. I didn't expect that as your initial answer, and it hit me so strong, because you're white, right. it takes up the brain space. Absolutely. Um, and the normal part, actually, is so powerful. I really hope people folk, uh, really heard that because we do adopt a way of thinking to make our behavior feel okay. Exactly. And so by saying it's normal makes us then be okay with the behavior and not then feel shame, embarrassment, or even guilt. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this to myself. Like, we don't, none of us want to feel like that. Right. So by thinking of it as normal allows us to not feel the guilt or the shame or anything that may come with the eating disorder. Right. And it was the thing that I remember as you were talking, I was like, wow, that's so powerful. I remember thinking I was normal because yeah. I saw my mum do it. I saw my sister drinking slim fast. That goes to show you how old I am. <laughs> but um, And I remember not thinking that it was weird because people around me were all worried about weight and eating in different ways. And everybody is today. So it does feel very normal. You mm. see the way that certain women are shaped and it's, you know, and everybody thinks that's what everybody's supposed to be when that's not necessarily normal for everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's so true. And hearing like the the small things where it's like, look, this isn't normal. Like weighing yourself where you, I don't know if you did this, but like I made sure I peed first. I made sure my underwear was off in case any of the pee or the underwear was ever going to skew the scale. That isn't fucking normal. That is not healthy, I will say. Well, and to get a dopamine hit by seeing the scale go down one degree and being like, oh, like the excitement of, who cares? These are numbers, whatever. Like, you know, and like looking in the mirror and pinching your sides, wondering if there's like a little extra fat, like, who cares at the, in the grand scheme of things? Mm. And when these things that are so inconsequential and really, one, don't make you happy because I was so freaking skinny and I've never been more unhappy. You know, like I was, I, I don't even want to go into how much I weighed, but it's like, when was it ever going to be enough? It never was because that doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Mm. And when you kind of take back the layers like that and realize who wants to live a life where everything you value actually doesn't matter. 
that's what leads to like extreme unhappiness. And we all, and it's kind of interesting because you know, I, after all these years, I've broken it down to like, why did I become anorexic? And I, it's, I think at the end of the day, it's because I wanted to be loved. I wanted to feel like I was, you know, and I felt like if I was really thin, it would make me worthy of being loved, more so admired, but in my mind that was loved. Mm -hmm. And yet all the things I did to achieve this goal of being thin actually took me in the opposite direction of what the initial goal was. I didn't, I wasn't loved by really anybody because I had become so self-absorbed in this disease. And so it's like, yeah, we have these goals that we think are gonna take us towards what we actually want, which is happiness and love. And we get so caught up in the journey sometimes and the things that we forget what we actually went out to accomplish in the first place because we're so far over here now consumed by all the details which don't even matter i love that because i think it's the details there that we convince ourselves are the small moments that we feel great yes right so it's like we feel utterly unloved we don't feel good enough we don't think we're worthy of anything and then you just jump on the scale and you're like oh my god i'm down half a pound yeah. right in that moment when you feel so bad about yourself in so many other areas there becomes this small microscopic moment where you can feel good enough yeah but to your point it only spirals out of control right. and so you actually have a quote that Honestly, homie, it knocked me for six. You said, finally, you were finally willing to fight for happiness. I've never heard of it talk, spoken like that. And I love the fact that um, happiness is something you have to work for. Like, mm -hmm. I actually really like that because a lot of us, and I did too, think, well, I should, my baseline should be happy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, actually, I think what makes us happy are also the down moments, are also yeah. potentially the struggles. Um, but finally deciding, hey, I am here, I am not happy, and I choose happiness, so what does that look like for me? Oh, it means that I have to work through this disease that I am currently you know, suffering from, um, I think is so powerful. How did you then start to, once you decided, so one, this moment where your sister's the closest person to you, you no longer know, really know each other, you recognize, oh, there's something here I need to address now. So that's like the sledgehammer, right? Like the right. moment of awakening, if you will. Then you decide to choose happiness. How do you actually then start to take those steps towards happiness? Oh, it's gonna look a little different for everyone, but I remember I, I kind of did everything. <laughs> I, you know, and to this day, I, I feel like I've done most of the mental health practices mm. out there because I've almost now made it like a, it's almost like a side hobby for me to like find ways to better my mind. I love reading self-help books and stuff, but the first steps were I went to therapy. That's what you do, you know, you go to a therapist and, you know, and therapy was really hard for me because I remember I felt like I didn't even deserve to be in therapy. They kept searching for the why, like, did someone call you fat when you were younger or, you know, but I Ooh. just was like, do I even deserve to have an eating disorder? Because like I had great parents, I had a wonderful childhood. No one ever called me fat. Like I've always fit in my clothes. I don't deserve to be anorexic. Why am I? Um, but when I stopped worrying about the why, you know, I've now in, in years past, like I finally, have, I feel like figured it out, but it doesn't even matter the why. The imp most important thing I did was actually going to group therapy, mm -hmm. sitting in the room with other women who, you know, once I realized that my mind wasn't normal, I felt so isolated. It went from being like, I'm normal to like, I'm a freak. Now I don't, I don't feel like I relate to anybody. No one can understand this mind that I have. And then hearing all these other women like share Basically, their version of my exact same story was so powerful to me to help me recover. And then that, I think, was when things really started to 
you know, inch forward of like, I can do this. I'm listening to these other stories. I got a mentor, like another girl who had previously been anorexic who would, you know, we'd chat occasionally. Um, but going to group therapy was terrifying. So it felt so exposing. And I think that's one of the most important things I did. I also just, and I don't, no one told me to do this, but I just started listening to that inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. And that was huge for me. And I remember because the dialogue was so bad in my head, I would take moments every day when none of my roommates were home and I could stand in the bathroom mirror. I shared a, an apartment with six girls. So wow. find a moment <laughs> when nobody was home and I would talk to myself in the mirror. And I'd look myself in the eye and just say, you're beautiful. Like you are smart and your body is strong. You know, you need to feed it. And I would just tell myself the things that I did not believe. Um, because my brain categorized them as lies. You know, we have the truth bucket in our brain and the lie bucket. And all these thoughts that I was thinking would go into the truth bucket. And all these things I was saying and forcing myself to go in the lie bucket. Mm. But once you say them enough and you look yourself in the eye enough and you hear enough in therapy and you read enough of these self-help books, suddenly it starts to wire as, well, maybe that is true. And it starts to go into the truth bucket. And that's when you actually start to change. But it takes a while of feeling like you're just walking through the motions and listening to a bunch of hodgepodge and people are telling you what they want you to believe and not what mm -hmm. you do believe. And, you know, it takes a while of that till it becomes like, maybe there is some truth to this. Maybe I am smart. Maybe I am. Maybe I do have worth. Maybe calories aren't everything, you know, like it takes a while, but it will happen if you keep with it. Thank you for that breakdown. It was beautiful. Like the truth bucket and the lie bucket is so powerful. Um, so as you start to break this down, you start to um, really rewire. I'd love to actually discuss triggers because I don't think this is ever, at least for myself and m many women that I've spoken about when it comes to eating, it's not like alcohol where you can actually cut it out of your life, right? right. If you've got, um, and I've never been an alcoholic. So in fact, let me just actually say yeah. that di disclaimer. But I, the way that I think about it is if you have an issue with alcohol, you can choose not to have alcohol in the house. You can choose not to go to bars, but food is ever freaking present. Right. And it's been so wired into who we are from childhood where we get the lollipop when you go to the dentist, right? So you get given the sugar. So A, we have a relationship with food where it, um, can tell us a message like, oh, this will make you feel better. Mm -hmm. um, or this can take the pain away, right? Some people turn to food to heal the pain. Some yeah. people remove food to heal the pain, right. the control aspect. How did you then work through, or how do you still work through moments of making sure that this, in moments of, if you have a failure, that then you don't spiral into, oh my God, this means I'm not good enough, which means then I have to restrict my calories. And now you've gone into very, very old behavior and old yeah. patterns. You know, it's, I feel like it's just a constant process. Mm. And I, I know myself so well now that I, I recognize when things are off. Now I can be like, cause I feel like my mood is the first thing I notice and the thoughts mm. and the mood, they precede the really bad behavior. Okay. You know, and so now I've started to catch it at that phase of like, I'm thinking really bad thoughts about myself and my body. That's not the norm anymore. I don't like that. You know, it's like, oh, I'm starting to, um, you know, my mood is starting to um, be affected. Oh, I'm probably, actually, I'm probably not eating quite enough. I'm probably, mm. you know, like I sense the way that my food affects my mental health. I see the way that my thoughts affect my food. Like I now can tell the patterns, but it's taken a lot of time to do that. And I've, I guess I've just learned to notice my triggers, which is, 
um, stress, when I start to really stress about like whether it's an album release or if something's not doing as well and I start to feel out of control, like, oh my gosh, I don't, like I, I can't control this outcome over here. So my first instinct is to control this thing over here. And I've also just noticed I have restrictive behaviors. So sometimes I may not even be restricting food. Like there was a chunk of time where I started restricting sleep the same way I used to restrict food. And it was a way I could almost like, you know, the same way it was once upon a time, like how many calories can Mm. I like cut for my day? It was almost like how little sleep can I live on and still function? So I realized I just have a restrictive mindset and I have to remind myself that like, it will destroy my life if I restrict. I become unhappy. I start to hate myself, you know. So I've just started to notice these patterns that are so strong. And now I just notice them very quickly. But I, I will always have to manage them. When you're out there trying to build and grow your business, but you have so much going on in other areas of your life, be it with your family or your romantic partner or your homies, whatever else you've got going on, you need to be using the best tools available to save time and actually see growth in your company this year right and that's why guys i really recommend that you go and check out shopify now shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business whether you're just starting out selling badass necklaces online or scaling your high-end beauty products to physical stores shopify's got you covered my homie and their award-winning customer support is ready to help you at every step of your journey because let's face it when you get stuck you need help Now, what I love about Shopify is that you can make the most of your time and sell more with less effort. Who doesn't love that? Now you actually have time for self-care, which, let's face it, is super freaking important. Now, with this built-in AI and the Internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to take your business to the next level. It's actually no surprise, guys, that Shopify powers 10% of all, all e-commerce in the U.S., That's insane. So sign up for only $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash Lisa. Now grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Lisa. There is so much confusing and conflicting information out there about what is a healthy diet, right? But my rule of thumb, guys, is that if you focus on eating high-quality animal-based proteins rather than cheaper, over-processed meals with a ton of junk ingredients with long words that you just can't pronounce, then you'll immediately be surprised at how much better and how different you feel. That absolutely is how it was for me, guys, when I was recovering from crippling stomach issues that I wasn't able to eat much at all. And then I found ButcherBox. It was amazing because I could finally eat meat that didn't make me feel sick or bloated or just hunched over in agony. And guys, I'm telling you, I've never looked back. I am their biggest, most avid fan. And that's because ButcherBox's unbelievable high standard qualities in their product is guaranteed. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers the highest quality meats and seafood ships directly to your door. Every month, you can let ButcherBox curate a box of high quality cuts for you, or you can actually customize, if you're like me and very picky, you can customize your box with the exact things and the cuts that you are looking for and prioritize your favorite stuff. So guys, it is actually easy to eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the freaking planet delivered right to your door. And ButcherBox is right now offering our listeners, that's you guys, your choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for absolutely free in every order for a year. 
Like, that's so insane. And I'm telling you, I'm so excited about this offer because I truly love the brand. Plus, actually, I got so excited, I forgot to tell you this. You get $20 off your first order. So just give it a try. Click the link in the show notes or go to butcherbox.com slash W-O-I and use code W-O-I to choose your free offer and get $20 off your order right now. That's so powerful because I think it's really important to know that it becomes this like you just have to keep going. You have to keep, keep practicing. Know thyself. Yeah. Like the and more- you're going to fall off the horse and it's okay because again, you'll be like, well, I've done this before. I've walked this walk before and I can get back on this horse. I know I can. Uh, uh, I actually have an amazing quote um, that goes with that because so many of us would think that of that as a failure, right? We right. see ourselves in a certain way. So whether it's success, whether it's a relationship where you've been in a relationship and it's been abusive and then you leave and then you think, oh my God, I keep failing at these relationships and now you're more reluctant to get into a new relationship. Like all the failures make us feel a certain way in being hesitant to start something new. Right. And it's in that starting something new and being the student that you said earlier that gets us to be Lindsay freaking Sterling that can stand in front of 10,000, 30,000, 100,000 people, do YouTube videos that get billions of views because you keep going, because you keep freaking getting back up, homie. And I got this quote I just loved. The key to success is the ability to rise from failure. Success is someone that can rise again and again and get stronger each time. It took me many times to learn that lesson, but by gosh, I'm glad I didn't give up. Absolutely. I love that. So when you say, I'm glad I didn't give up, as you keep falling, and you keep getting up, right? You've already expressed that like, look, it becomes easier because you realize it doesn't define you. You can keep getting up. You can keep getting better if you're the student. Was it the fact that you were so in love with your profession? Was it that you were so in love with playing the violin? You had something that every day got you to focus on and that allowed you to say, I'm so glad, like keep going, keep going. Because again, I'm trying to think about that person at home right. right now of like having a North Star for me. And I call it my North Star. Having a North Star gets me up every day. It yeah. gets me to say, Lisa, you feel badly about yourself today, but that's okay. Absolutely. Because one day you're going to get to here. You're going to help that 14-year-old girl that doesn't feel good about herself. That's my North Star. So yeah. every day when I don't feel good, I just say, but I have such a freaking strong North Star that no Shit talking in my own head is ever going to get in my way of me showing up every day for that 14-year-old girl. So when I think about the craft, your art, yeah. your performance, it, it, isn't, it is music, but I've seen how you've impacted young girls, like how you've, just what you do really impacts, has like this massive knock-on effect from young girls to other women to other people that can now believe that it's possible. Okay, so is it the fact that you have such a strong North Star that's allowed you to keep pushing forward to then finally get to, I'm glad I didn't give up? I think I've always had a pretty strong North Star and it's a combination of like, I love what I do. I love, you know, it comes to me as storytelling. I love getting to like make a beginning, middle, end of a song, of a music video, of a show. I loved, I was born to entertain from the time I was tiny. I've always wanted to like tell a joke or make people <laughs> laugh or play my violin. Like I just love entertaining. So that's been a huge North Star for me. But I think the biggest North Star is kind of like almost what you were just saying. If I decided early on, right as I started to see that things were becoming successful, I was like, I want to be a light in this world. I want mm. to share hope. I want to share happiness. 
Um, and, you know, I always do try to do that through my music, like have mo motifs and metaphors and things that hopefully will encourage people to like believe in themselves a little bit more. When someone leaves a show, I always hope that, of course, they're thoroughly entertained, but I'm almost more so, I want them to leave with that buzzy feeling that I've felt at certain shows where they're like, I can do anything I want. That thing that I wanted to do, I can do. And so just being that for people has always been a huge part of my North Star. And especially I was just overcoming anorexia when I first really started to like take off. Um, and I remember thinking like, I, I always, I don't want to shy away from this topic because I feel like that's a way I can be a light. Like I've always had these little things that were my light to share and my music is my, my mode to share it. And I think you're so right that as long as you've got the why behind what you do, like, why do I do this? Well, I love to entertain and I love to uplift. Then it kind of makes those days, because even now, some days I'm like, I, this is really hard and I do not feel like practicing today. Or maybe I'm going through a, like a time when I'm just a little depressed, like it happens. And I'm like, I have no motivation right now. Well, I can get up and I can, I can play my violin for 20 minutes right now. I can practice 20 minutes. Got it. Okay. For the why, mm. you know, and the, so it's, it's all about the why for me. So you just said when you do it, when you have like moments of depression, how do you deal with those moments? And obviously you just shared one tip, which is amazing. Um, because when people are going through it, it does feel like all hope is lost. Mm -hmm. And you talk very eloquently about hope and about like having the hope that, you know, you're going to get there and you're going to do it. And hope can really take us through so many tough times. And depression is one of those things, especially these days mm -hmm. where it's, it's becoming more and more prominent. Um, do you um, have any moments like that now? And if so, um, what are those steps that maybe people can take right now? Um, I know you say you journal, things like that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like mental health is such a, a wave. It's not like I got through anorexia and depression mm -hmm. and then I'm like, I made it through. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I have an, you know, but it, it's more like, for some reason, sometimes you're having a hard time and there's not even a reason why. And again, for me, then I'm like, well, if there's not even a reason why, I feel super ungrateful. And then that feeds my depression even more because I'm like, there's no reason I should be sad. I have everything I should have to be happy, but I am depressed. And so when I go through those little stints, I've just learned to see them as like, you know what? This is a little phase. It's a little bump. Um, and that doesn't mean it's going to last forever. It could be a day. Could be a week who knows it might be a really rough month and I, and there doesn't always have to be a why it just is the way it is and giving myself permission to say this is a rough time for now and i need to like let myself have that but at the same time i do especially when i'm going through times like that journal and just like almost free write and express maybe you know why i'm feeling this way what am i feeling and even if there is no why just like expressing what it is and like maybe telling myself i'm choosing to let go of this i'm choosing to let go of not being enough and like writing that out to like just kind of connect those wires in my brain i'm such a big believer in like doing whatever you can to create the thought pattern you want to believe um, until you believe it um that's a big thing for me and just like i said um i've really adopted the mantra of like i showed up today and that sometimes is enough. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. And the perfect example is like when I've had to like prepare for a tour, but I'm maybe going through a tough time. It's like, well, I can I can do anything for 20 minutes. I can practice that routine for 20 minutes. Then I'll take a break. Then I can practice it 20 minutes later. You know, like doing things mm. in small bite sizes. So it's not like, but I have to practice and learn this entire routine today. It's like, well, let's just focus on like doing it for 20 minutes. And then maybe I'll call a friend. And then when I have a little bit more energy, I'm gonna do it again. You know, just really bite-sizing it down and 
I think just giving yourself permission, though, is the biggest thing. I literally was about to use that that phrase that you said. It hit me very hard. And it's funny how a lot of us, I've heard this a lot now, and I say it too, girl, giving ourselves permission, even just saying it, is so freeing. Yeah. Like, I almost think, like, if someone could sit right now, because I, I love thinking in real time about strategies. So, like, yeah. if someone could sit in real time and be like, what are all the things I'm struggling with? And now just right next to it, I give myself permission. Yeah. Like, how much of a change that would do to our mindset? Because, again, you've said it before, right? It's like, thoughts are just thoughts. It's like, when you think about, like, it being, our brain is in a black box, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's taking signals from our eyes, from our nose, from what we hear, right? What we smell, what we see. And it's interpreting it and making up a story. Absolutely. And so, by whatever story we're telling ourselves, we can change that story If we think that we're not good enough, you can then say, I am, what am I good enough in? And then, or say, not yet, or say, I give myself freaking permission. Right. And like, you know, and it's funny, you just kind of figure out what is it that you're feeling, give yourself permission to feel it, and then say like, where do we want to go? Like, you know, just last night I was journaling because I have been just having a little bit of a, like a funk the last few weeks. And I, again, telling myself that's okay. And maybe even delving into like, it could be a little bit triggered because of this. Okay. I'm going to give myself permission to feel that. And then also saying like, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to surrender this need that I feel like to be perfect and to be on top of everything and to like, you know, I'm going to surrender that and realize I can't control everything. And right today, that's where I'm at. And that's okay. Close the journal. Oh, and then add in there. And I'm grateful for these three things that happened today. These were three great things that happened, even though it wasn't a great day. Like finding ways to look at the positive, but also not like it doesn't mean that you're a bad person just because you're having a hard time being full of happiness and gratitude. Like even though like there's so much worse happening in the world. And nowadays we're like, oh, these are such first world problems that I'm dealing with. Sure, realize that. But also it's your life and it's that's hard for you right now. So that's okay if you're feeling sad about it or if it's causing you to be discouraged. Oh my God, I love that you said that because so I think we minimize the things that we're going through by comparing them to other things. Totally. And that is the thing that I think is the problem with us right now, right? Where it's yeah. like we don't feel the right to feel bad about what we're going through. And now we don't feel the right. So now we feel even more shame. Eve. It's spirals. It spirals. And then, mm-hmm. you know, mental health is the most important thing that all of us can focus on, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. that then dictates who we are, how we show up, how we treat other people, the types of relationships we have, our career, all of that. Yeah. Um, and so if we don't focus on our mental health, then we're not able to then do all these other things over here. Um, and so by comparing ourselves to other people, I think diminishes what we're going through. Yeah. I think it lessens the weight of what we're going through and I don't think it serves us by diminishing it um and it's interesting I would love to talk to you about gratitude because I've got a love-hate relationship with gratitude so I was a stay-at-home wife (laughs) tell me more (laughs) before we started Quest Nutrition I was a stay-at-home wife for eight years yeah and I was supporting my husband I was cooking I was cleaning I was putting clothes out for him and every day I absolutely hated it. I didn't, I went to film school, I wanted to be a filmmaker. I had no desires yeah. or dreams to be a stay-at-home wife. And again, that is no slight on anyone. It wasn't my it wasn't dream. Yours. Yeah. So every day I didn't feel like I was aligned with who I wanted to be. And every day, the first couple of years, I was like, be so grateful, Lisa. 
You have a husband that loves you more than life itself. How lucky are you to have this? Other people don't. Mm -hmm. And then year two, it was like, oh my God, I hate my life, I'm miserable, but how grateful are you to have a roof over your head because other people don't have a roof over your head. And so right. this became a self-soothing way of mm. every day I would show up, hate my life and self-soothe with gratitude to ease the pain that I was going through. Yeah. And what it led to was eight years of profound happiness because I ended up using the gratitude piece to keep me exactly where I was. And yeah. that voice in my head was going from, you know, no, 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 you're grateful to how ungratefully you. You want another life, you want a different life. When you have a husband that loves you, how ungrateful are you? Mm -hmm. And so the gratitude piece, I like almost like want to be very careful on because yeah. it can be so damn powerful to your point when you're having a hard day, right. reorienting to how beautiful life can be, but also being aware yeah. of the fact that it may hold us back for asking for more. I have been thinking about this a lot lately. Have you? Yes, the difference between being grateful for where you're at and being okay with knowing that you want more mm -hmm. is such a fine line. And I remember I came to this realization recently where I was like, oh my gosh, I got to a point in my career where I was like, no, 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 I don't want, like, I don't need a Grammy and I don't even want it. Or I, I don't need to grow my craft anymore. That's like selfish of me to like think that I should get more in this industry. I should just be grateful. But I think they're two totally separate things. And you can dream, you can want more, you can work towards it, and you can like know that you're missing something in your life while knowing still that you have everything over here mm. in your life. Like you can have both and one doesn't have to affect the other, even though like you said, it's really hard to almost feel like gratitude is a band-aid, but um, it doesn't have to be. And I, I did a, I, or I do a gratitude journal and it was kind of a life-changing experience for me to like, write in this gratitude journal, just the simplicity of three things every night, I noticed how it did start to make my brain trained basically to look for the good in life. Mm. It didn't mean that I didn't see the things that were bad, but it meant that I was just by every day thinking, what are the things today I was grateful for? Finding them, writing them down, feeling a moment for them, good. It's like it trained my mind throughout the day to like be looking for those things because it knew every night subconsciously I'm going to have to try to find those. And so I think there's so much power and gratitude, but I, I, I think you bring up a really good point that it shouldn't be a band-aid for like the things that you are unsatisfied with that you can change. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard you say you get what you focus on. Absolutely. And so if you're focused on like, no, 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 my life is fine. Like, I'm so grateful for this. Well, you're never going to focus on what else can I do? How do right. I better? How do I go for that dream or that goal or the person I want to be, the skill set, like whatever yeah. it is. How do you propel yourself forward if you're always soothing yourself that where you are is fine? Now, look, I'm the pious person that holds two com competing ideas in my head at the same time because I find them very powerful. Yeah. I love my life, I wouldn't change a thing. And yet I'm unhappy with my life and I wanna change everything. Like, but that's what freaking so drives cool. me is yeah. that I go to bed every night very content. I put my head on my, my husband's shoulder. I'm happy as can be because all I act, like I'll burn my business to the ground. My husband is my North Star ultimately. So mm -hmm. I know that I'm very clear of that. He knows that he's very clear on that. Um, but I wake up every day saying, what are you gonna do today, Lisa? You said you wanna help that 14 year old girl, you better show up and help that 14 year old girl. So it's yeah. like, I don't think it has to be either or, 
But I don't I, think, yeah. I think that most people lean into have gratitude as the most beautiful thing and they're not necessarily looking at the possibility that it's trapping you mm. into, but I'm happy here so I should be happy in the rest of my life. Yeah, no, that's a really good, very powerful point. And like so much of life is about polarity. You know, we're told to like work hard and chase our dreams, but also enjoy life and take time for yourself and self-care. You know, so it's like there's always these competing things of like, well, how much do I relax and take care of myself? And how much do I become a workhorse where I like don't sleep? Like, you know, so mm. life is about just finding the balance between very conflicting ideas and making them match each other so that you do become a balanced person who's like hardworking and wants more but also is so grateful like I think that's that's a really powerful th- point and I've never thought about that with gratitude in that way so that's yeah. cool thank you um I'd love to talk to you about matters of the heart Ooh. because one I think someone's like your videos are fucking epic homie like you're <laughs> you're you are just glowing in so many beautiful ways and impact in the world that I'm sure going to this like have everything I would love to talk to you about relationships because I've never really heard you speak about relationships so a are you in a relationship and then how what are you willing to share because again I think if I'd love to know is that important to you are you actually focusing on it I have so many questions (laughs) yes yes yeah I actually don't get asked much about relationships probably because I guess I don't, I also don't write about relationships. My music is all more like, you know, whimsical and magical. Mm. I very rarely have ever written a song about love. So that's probably why no one ever asks me about it. But it's always been one of the most important things to me. And I guess I, I definitely put it to the side when I was like chasing my career. I would say that first, like, you know, five years of my career, I worked so, so freaking hard. I didn't have time for really much anything else in my life. Definitely not a relationship. But, you know, aside from that, like, I've always wanted a family. I've always known I'm, I'm a life partner type of person. And although I'm, I'm single right now, I'm not dating anybody right now, but it's definitely something that I, I guess I, I say I focus on it in terms of, like, I, I, I manifest it. I put energy into it. I journal about it. Like, I try to put it into my, my thoughts of, like, putting it into the world and hoping that that comes back to me when the time is right, mm-hmm. you know? And I, um, but yeah, dating is, is really hard. And I think for anyone in this day and age, um, you know, living in LA, I think makes it a little bit more tricky possibly, but, but it's something that's so important to me. And I really do. I'm like, I want to have kids. I want to have a family. And it's always been something that I, I want. And um, I go back and forth between reminding myself that like, you know, the the path I've chosen has probably made it a little bit more difficult for me to find that Mm -hmm. husband. Um, And even though that that is hard for me to swallow, sometimes I'm like, but if I could do it all again, I would choose the same things. And although I really I balance between like, I really think I will find that person. Mm -hmm. And I hope I will. I want that. But also reminding myself that like, If I never did, that doesn't mean I can't still live a full, happy, fulfilled life. And it kind of comes back to like bloom where you're planted. I have like amazing nieces and nephews who I love so much. And I've decided to like prioritize like, okay, well, so I don't have my own family. Like for my birthday this year, I went and stayed with my sister, um, the same sister that I roomed with in college and her little kids because I just wanted to be with family. And it's like, okay, if I don't have my own family to invest in right now and my own kids to raise, I'm going to relish in the fact that I have my sister's kids as my nieces and nephews and really put attention and time into those relationships because um, I can either focus on what I don't have or I can really bloom where I'm planted and realize I have a rich, full life and 
I still think that other part will come when it's time. Have you ever gone through heartbreak? I have. Um, and I, you know, I definitely think those last with us. You know, I've gone through several breakups that were really hard. I think the hardest one for me was, um, and I, I really actually never talked about this before publicly, but my keyboard player, who was my best friend, and he played, key, he was my first keyboard player ever. We toured the world together for like three and a half years, just became so, so close. And he was my best friend, but I loved him dearly. Like I never even told him that because I always thought, you know, when the time is right, like, you know, I, but I always kind of thought we would end up together. Um, and he passed away and it was just, um, I don't know how you recover from that, you know, and it's been, it's been years and I miss him dearly. Um, but I think that's almost kind of in a way what I'm, waiting for is someone who makes me feel that same way that he made me feel, which I just haven't found since. And I know that every relationship is different, but um, certain people make you, they bring out your sparkle. Mm. And um, so it's almost like this blessing and a curse because I'm like, I know what I can feel. And now it makes it so that you can't accept less than what you know you have the capacity to feel. That's so beautiful thank you for sharing that I I've heard that you know he'd passed away I didn't realize you know you obviously sharing that you felt the love um really kind of almost makes that story even more heartbreaking um and that was going to be my second thing was like, how do you not settle um because a lot of women do settle for either abusive relationships or relationships that you know maybe are trying to fill their cup because they need that validation but actually yeah. they're not in love with them like so many people end up settling in relationships that aren't right for them um and being i think a um, strong powerful woman also means being able to not go with the people that are going to bring them down or change them for the negative or try to be destructive or toxic but to wait for that person that is right for them yeah. um do you then think that like i i know what love feels like and so i'm not going to accept anything less absolutely i i think that's why i'm honestly that's probably why i'm still single mm -hmm. um but at the same time it's like i've i've waited for 35 you know years at this point i I'm not going to settle for anything less than what I felt before. Um, but also, you know, you think about the people that you love to be around in your life that do make you feel great, like my sisters or, mm. you know, my best friends. And it's like, why would I settle for less in my partner relationship, the most important relationship of my life with someone who doesn't make me feel as good and as fulfilled as like, and obviously every relationship has its own version and its own place, but like, you know, you should expect the same as a, from a partner more so even than with the other relationships that fulfill you that you've gotten to choose in your life. Um, and so, you know, and I've been through um, in a way, like I've been through an abusive relationship before. And I remember my sister, when it, it, I finally confided in her what was happening and like I made the choice that I was done. And I remember her just being like, you know, it's, it's crazy because you always hear about people who go through emotional or abusive relationships of some kind. And you just think, why would they put up with that? Like, how could they not be strong enough to stand up for themselves? And she, and she mentioned that, like, I see you as one of the most strong women in the world. Like, you're successful, you're talented, you're smart, you're brilliant. Like, you know, this is my sister talking to me. And she says, it just is really eye-opening to see that that could even happen to you. It can happen to anybody. And it doesn't need to make you feel weak. It definitely made me feel weak when I realized, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I've been in an abusive relationship and I've been choosing this. And, you know, and the courage it took to leave. But, like, 
it doesn't mean you're weak. It happens slowly and it, it can happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. So it gave me a lot of empathy for women and a lot of understanding. But also at the end of the day, I am so grateful for the loving relationships in my life that made me check myself. And even though he told me what was happening was normal for me to be like, but that isn't normal. You know, and being able to confide in my sister and tell her something that happened and for her to say, again, just like my anorexia, Linz, that's not normal and that is not okay for someone to do that. Like, do you mind sharing it? Obviously, I don't want to. I mean, I was, it wasn't an abusive physical relationship, but um, it was very verbally and emotionally like manipulative and narcissist. He was, you know, a narcissist, narcissist like um, fully and the yelling and screaming, you know, like he would yell if we got in an argument it would turn into him yelling at me for an hour just calling me names like degrading me you know and I remember when I asked my sister one day I just said you know does your husband ever yell at you and she you know she was like well there was one time he raised his voice but he like he apologized mm -hmm. you know and I was just like oh my gosh this happens to me on the weekly maybe mm -hmm. daily like what um you know but it had happened so slowly that you start to think it's you know and he would tell me couples fight couples fight lens this happens it's what couples do you know but no <laughs> that's not normal you know and like kind of regaining that sense of normalcy um you know thankfully saved me to realize i don't want to spend the rest of my life being yelled at <laughs> how did you then get the strength to leave because as you were saying it right like i started to believe that i was weak yeah um and i think that that's also the big part where they they uh, some people find that, okay, I've now recognized this isn't normal, this isn't a healthy relationship, but they don't have the confidence or the courage or they don't think they're strong enough to then make those steps because let's face it, sadly, and I've been in one of these manipulative, manipulative relationships before my husband, mm. was that, you know, the, you'll never find someone that's going to yeah. love you as much as I love you. And then you're like, oh, shit, what if I don't? Yeah. Am I going to be alone for the rest of, like, this? the 16-year-old girl that was insecure yeah. thought that? Well, also, I was in my 30s at the time, so mm. it was like, maybe I won't find someone else. Oh. Like, and I remember he would always tell me, like, your life is hard, Lindsay, you know, and like, I put up with it. And I finally mm. realized, like, my life is wonderful. And I've worked really hard for my life. Like, I have, a, like, it might not be for everyone. It might be hard for certain people to deal with the, like, kind of schedule I lead. And sure, it's not, it's not maybe the average life, but at the same time, I'll find someone who loves my life mm -hmm. and I deserve that. Um, like finally those light bulbs started to go on that like, yeah, what you're saying is true for you. You put up with my life, but that doesn't mean someone else has to put up with my life. Yeah, you know, and also it kind of came down to the fact of like how unhappy I was in this relationship and realizing mm -hmm. if I'm alone for the rest of my life, it would be better than this. And I remember I actually, one, a very key moment for me was I remember we went to the, the Jimmy Kimmel show. It was my first time doing his show. Big bucket list. I was so excited. And um, he got upset at me backstage. And in my little dressing room, he closed the door and yelled at me for a while. And um, it ruined that memory. I remember going on to Jimmy Kimmel, like literally wiping tears away, like smiling and just playing. And then afterwards, like, he had left and I went home by myself. I, he took our car and I didn't, you know, I had to take an Uber home from Jimmy Kimmel um, by myself. And just being so like, you know, and then I shortly after that was about to go on Dancing with the Stars and he asked me, do I get to come backstage with you and hang out? And I thought to myself, I don't want you backstage. Mm. 
And it was like such a awakening moment of like remembering what had happened at Kimmel and so many other experiences that he had ruined that were special to me and realizing if I don't want my person backing me up in these really stressful situations, what the heck do I have him around for? Like, if that's my first thought is like, what if you get mad at me back there? And that's when we broke up. <laughs> I was like, I, I deserve a life with a partner that supports me or I deserve to freaking live on my own. Dude, that's so damn powerful. And as you were saying, I was like, oh, it was a total power play on his part. As you were saying, like, he did that a lot with the, I think, I can't remember the exact words you just used, but it was something like, he did that a lot with the, uh, a lot of the happy memories or the happy mm. moments. And just in having done a lot of, you know, uh, interviews with therapists in full relationship, that's the power play, right? Mm. Where it's like in these moments where the, the spotlight is on you, the insecure narcissist, has to impact that. There's no way a narcissist will ever let the spotlight be on you. Right. And so making it about the argument taking the car is all very deliberate acts of a narcissist trying to take your power away. Mm -hmm. And so many, and again, like just so many women and suffer from this, have these issues where they're with somebody where they feel like they can't get out. And you'd said it earlier, which was, it just hit me so hard, where you said, like your sister saw you as being strong and this, just because you're in a bad relationship, Guys, it doesn't mean that you're freaking weak. Doesn't mean that it at all. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It can literally happen to anybody. And it also means that you are, like, I was trying to fight for love. I was trying to be, you know, that's pretty strong. You know, I, I finally realized that it wasn't worth fighting for. But, um, you know, it doesn't mean that, you, I love that you said, it doesn't mean that you're weak. Mm. And I just, you know, it's like, we all want to be loved so badly that we'll almost do anything to be loved, include putting up with unhappiness, like being unhappy in a relationship because you want to be loved. But it's like, there are other relationships that can fulfill you outside of being in a romantic one or having that partner, that, that committed life partner. You know, like I said, my sisters, my friends, like you're able, by not being in that toxic relationship, I was able to lean more into my friends and fulfill myself in that way. And so even right now I'm single, but I still have wonderful relationships that make me feel full and a lush life. And so if you feel this thought of like, well, I'll never be loved again. Like what I am in my mid thirties, maybe I won't find a life partner. Well, who the heck cares? Because I was so unhappy. Like just remember that the ultimate goal that we're all searching for is we want to be happy and we get so caught up in the weeds of whether it's being anorexic and counting calories or whether it's like being in a toxic relationship because we think that's all going to lead us to happiness. But at the end of the day, usually you're so unhappy when you get lost in the weeds like that. There are other ways to feel loved. Freaking love that. Um, and in the craft that you do and the way that you show up, like everything you've just shared with us, um, I do believe we are an echo of our past and the things we've gone through and how we show up every day. And so you to be sitting here right now and be sharing this, like because you're promoting your, oh my God, I'm so excited. If you don't mind telling us about your tour, like I, I love everything you're doing, homie. And I think that what you're doing now wouldn't be possible if you hadn't have gone through all the things you've just beautifully shared with us. Um, so talk to us about Snow Waltz. Tell us where we can find it. And like just your music video is fucking epic. Guys, if you haven't seen it, you've got to go bloody check out her oh, music video. You. It is a piece of art. Oh, thank you so much. Um, well, I love Christmas. And so this is actually my second Christmas album because I love Christmas so much. And... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's got a combination of 
classic Christmas songs and covers, um, but also some originals on it. And I think my favorite thing about it is like when you do a Christmas album, there's these songs out there that have all been covered hundreds of times. Like there's hundreds of versions of Joy to the World, you know? So it's like, how do I make my version? Like I always think of that. Why would anyone want to listen to my version? Like, especially because they're like, their initial thought will be like, there's not even a singer. So why would someone want to listen to it? So it's always a fun challenge to like, take a song and make the why. Make the reason why somebody mm. would stream it or listen to it or buy it or come to my show. And all the songs on this Christmas album, they've all taken a really unique twist. Like, Joy to the World is very Celtic. It's like mm. a Celtic celebration, which I chose that because... Celtic music, I think, is the happiest music, and it's joy to the world. And you know, and so every song has like a really unique twist that I put on it that I just think makes it super fun. And it, you know, and again, it's like it may not be for everyone because it's a very unique take on a lot of Christmas music. But the people that love it are going to love it, and that's the kind of approach I like to take to my art. Is like, heck, I dance and play the violin. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But the people that are looking for a dancing violinist. I'm pretty much your only option, so you're going to love it, you know, because I, I, I think I do it well. Um, and you're not going to please everybody in this life in any way, shape, or form. And so I, I love that I just get to do art the way I love to do it, and I, I try to lean fully into that niche. You know, I love it so much. So multiple things. Music's so powerful. So whenever we want to, even just with everything we've been even sharing today, right, the journaling, the taking this step-by-step, step, like all the beautiful tips that you've given... The music to me is also another powerful tool. Like when I was sad when I was 16, I would put Celine Dion on and, mm. you know, cry and like Mariah Carey mm. and, you know, all those sad songs. And it would feed into the sadness. It would feed into the like the, the, the crying and, you know, the tears go into ugly crying. I put more music on and I ugly cry even more. Um, and so, but it also goes the other way that when I'm in the gym, I put on some music that gets me going. And so music is such a powerful tool. So I think that you are a beautiful orchestrator, if I can, um, <laughs> a conductor, um, to, <laughs> to do that, right? Like you really bring this beautiful music and then Christmas has magic to it. it and does. I've heard you talk about the power of magic, just the, the, the power of even believing that something can be magical. Mm. And the fact that you've put these two beautiful things together, the power of magic, that to me is definitely Christmas. So tell Tell me about your idea and thoughts on magic and how you implemented that within your Christmas music. Mm, I love that question. I've never been asked anything like that. You know, I love the word magic. Um, I pick a word every year that's like my word for the year. And last year, my word was magic. Um, just trying to find that sparkle in my life again and find the sparkle and mm. potential and dreaming, like really dreaming and wishing for things and more so importantly, believing that I deserve them and that I could achieve these dreams. Um, and you know, and sometimes that dream can be as simple as like, I wanna be happy. Sometimes it's like, I wanna crush it and go out there and start a business. Like dreams can be however big or however small as we want. But I think magic is what makes them possible. And I guess my mm -hmm. belief in magic now is it's very tied to like my spirituality. Also, I, I believe very much so in, um, you know, God and angels. And especially after losing my best friend and my dad, I believe that I have these angels around me that like help me and give me a little bit of extra oomph and power in my day. And I think that we all have them because I think we've got these angels that are our ancestors that have been around us from before we were born. And so they know us so well and they're rooting for us and it gives me a lot of comfort and power as I approach my life, believing that 
I've got a team around me like that's rooting for me, that's putting little pieces into place so that I can run into this opportunity or that, you know, if I do my part and if I try to look for the right places to be and the right signs and work hard, like my little angels are like my little team that are going to be around me and buoy me up. And especially with this Christmas album, I, I thought about them a lot. Whenever I go into write, I like pray that my angels will, you know, be there and help me and inspire me and give me ideas and help me figure out what people need to hear and put that magic into the music. And, um, and I, I really feel like this album has that sparkle to it. It really does. Like it's, I listened to it and I was just like, cause I'm obsessed with Christmas music. Um, I have a whole Christmas closet. I was telling you, like it. me and my husband have like Christmas matching onesies. Like it's a whole thing because it brings an emotion. It brings the magic to mm. our adulthood yeah. that I think as kids we're able to embrace we're encouraged to embrace and yet as adults it's kind of like oh well that's just for kids now and there was that element of the beauty of 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 christmas the magic of christmas the magic of music and bringing those together that it gives you the reason the 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 permission right we said earlier the permission it gives you the permission to just um, allow your heart to sing yeah and so where can people find your album and you're going on tour? Where can people find all the details about your tour? Where can they buy their tickets and find everything out about you? <laughs> well, uh, lindsaysterling.com has all the tickets on it. It's a U.S. tour. I'm so excited to go out. We've already started rehearsing. It's going to be, I think, a really magical show. We're doing everything from aerial stuff to, like, big props and fun costumes to, like, great choreography. I work with the most amazing dancers. So... I can't wait. Um, the tour starts in uh, late November, goes all the way up till Christmas. And um, and yeah, the album is basically everywhere. But going back to what you were saying before about like, I wrote a song specifically about exactly what you were talking about, about that childlike wonder, almost being awakened inside of us at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. The song is called Magic. Um, and David Archuleta sings it, who I love David Archuleta. But like one of the wor- the phrases is, you know, that life has made me wise but here at Christmas time, I catch a glimpse of life through my childlike eyes. Like, who says there can't be magic? Um, oh my gosh, it, that's a special song. It's my favorite song on the album, and um, you know, and it, it really captures the entire theme of what I hoped this Christmas album would share. It did, homie. That and just more than you can imagine. Guys, guys, this woman, like I said, I have been waiting for her to come on this show for three freaking years, and I got her, and she's here. Guys, honestly, go check her out. Her music is so freaking beautiful. Her Christmas album is the bomb, so you got to listen to it. And if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. If you're not subscribed, click that subscribe button down there. And, guys, let us know. Drop in the comments. What was the one thing that the fiery comments that she made today, what was the one thing that really hit you right here in the heart? Drop them in the comments, and Until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace. Working to be confident and freaking badass can be very difficult. Now, I get it, guys. I get it. Kicking ass and taking names takes energy. But when it comes to micronutrients, you're like, wait, how much vitamin B do I need? It can be a daily freaking struggle to figure out and meet that perfect nutrition balance that you need to feel strong, focused and energize which of course are all the things you need to become a freaking confident badass so it's time to arm your body with every nutrient it absolutely deserves with 
AG1. Now, if you're a long-time listener, you might know that I've actually been supporting AG1 for many years now. And that's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. So if you want to take ownership of your life, that actually means you have to take ownership over your health. And it all starts, guys, with AG1. So guys, go and try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go now to drinkag1.com slash Lisa. That's drinkag1.com slash Lisa. Go check it out. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What up, my homie? First, I just want to actually thank you. Like from the bottom of my heart, sincerely, absolutely thank you for your support, your support for me, your support for the show, Women of Impact. Like you have no actual idea how much this really means to me when I had that original vision of what I wanted to do and no one was listening. So thank you. Thank you for being here and actually supporting other women along this journey. And I'm going to be honest, if you actually want to level up your confidence game, my homie, then check out Women of Impact's subscription channel. It's specifically designed to help you in every aspect that you're looking for. Now, here's what you get. You get new episodes delivered ad-free. You get exclusive access to listen to Women of Impact roundtable discussions, weekly motivation, previously unreleased episodes, and that's just the beginning. Subscriber-only access to an additional four podcasts with hundreds of archived Women of Impact episodes meticulously, meticulously curated into theme playlists and updated weekly so that you get the dose that you need. So if you're looking to boost your confidence, then go and check out the Get Confidence playlist. If you want to repair, heal, or start a relationship, then go check out Love Lab. And if you're wondering how you get your health back on track so that you can keep showing up to have the confidence that you're looking for, then go check out Health Hub. And of course, this wouldn't be complete without my weekly boost of mini motivations from moi. That's right, it will have you strutting down the street with your head held high, feeling like a freaking badass. And guess what the playlist is called? The badass boost, of course. So guys, don't settle for mediocrity when you can absolutely be extraordinary. 
So guys, subscribe to Women of Impact channel today on Apple Podcasts or Supercast. But no matter where you're listening, guys, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or any other platform, make sure you're following so you don't miss out on other episodes. And don't forget to check out the show notes for more information on this episode, our incredible sponsors and upcoming events.